American dream has become a nightmare. Signs of the time are on cardboard on corners in town. Like a cancer that's silently spreading, there's an unspoken fear. We're on our way down. Uh, yes, uh, folks, and welcome we back to the Rebel and the Renegades. Because I tell you, yes, America's on its way down, big time. You know, look at this debt. Do you think in any way, what kind of people would leave this kind of debt for their children and grandchildren? What kind of people allow this? It, it just, I get angry at this, and it's my passion. I guess sometimes it gets in my way. But uh, anyway, uh, I look at these things, and I think about, you know, the people. We've got people today, and I hope the the you know the uh, Taylor Swift Bowl was over. But uh, anyway, how many people paid ten, twelve thousand dollars for a ticket to that debacle? If that doesn't tell you what the actual importance of the American public is, I, I just don't know how better to explain it. Uh, Mur, uh, help me out here before I say something I shouldn't. Yeah, well, the superb owl, as some people call it, <laughs> so they didn't get cut into the franchise, they're known for having child trafficking, too, in those halftime ceremonies or satanic rituals. Um, remember the one in um, Louisiana after Katrina and uh, when they rebuilt the Superdome there in Beyonce and she called her alter ego uh, Sasha Fierce, which <laughs> is kind of demonic, and the uh, Half of the electricity in the place went out, so the lights, half of the lights went out at uh, 33 minutes, uh, or remained off for 33 minutes, I guess. But what was interesting is at that time, Saturn was rising at the exact same time with its um, rings open. It was very interesting, you know, astronomical uh, phenomena going on there. So it was uh, all this kind of worship stuff going on, and and uh, they do this kind of thing all the time. It goes along with the power that it gives to their spell casting. Well, you know, one of the things I was just thinking of is two of there were two groups there in 2005 that were opposing us at every turn, every time they possibly could. And those two groups were the ACLU and, you know, I called them the Anti-Christian Lawyers Union. And then we had the SPLC Stephen, we had members of both groups that were there that were, you know, trying to report us, trying to say, oh, they're doing this. Oh, they're doing that. And, uh, you know, and we know, you know, if you have ever been inside the battle of this beast, that the SPLC is nothing but a branch of the CIA and very possibly the ACL use the same thing. I wouldn't trust either one of them, uh, you know, with anything. But they were the groups that were there actually opposing us. And so that uh, that taught me a lot back then. Uh, and, you know, we do know, you know, when we want to talk about some of these wonderful organizations, you know, just look at who founded the uh, National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. Stephen, are you aware? 
that I don't remember the name, but go, please go refresh your memory. But that, <laughs> and I was going to say something else about the FBI and that please sheriff do. in Butler County. The, the sheriff in Butler County, it was about a 30 minute press conference he gave. And in part of it, he kept referencing cyber attacks, how his county and his dispatch and payroll and uh, information was hijacked by hackers over for they held it for ransom. Okay, and then the FBI was warning them how, oh, you got to try to protect yourself against that. I mean, we're under awful attack, and, you know, you're three times a day from uh, this country and five for that. And then he said, the FBI says, well, we don't recommend paying ransomware, but we know some people who do. And I thought, ain't that interesting? Isn't Very that interesting so. that the FBI is saying, you better protect yourself from this cyber attack. And we don't really recommend you paying that ransom, but you know, some folks see they find it more more lucrative for their business if they pay up. I guess is the way you might put it. I don't know, but that that struck me too in that local sheriff's press conference earlier today. You guys should check it out. I'm sorry, I, I just it, when you mentioned the the the, the SPLCIA, and then I was thinking, well, yeah, and the FBI is shaking down the sheriffs. That's what was yeah. going on. That's really how it feels in this country. That's where it feels like uh, America 2024, y'all. All right. That's just how it feels to me. I'm sorry if that for that, but that's just how I see it. <laughs> well, I think we are, you know, we're dead on that. And here is the thing, and I kind of want to run this by you guys and get your thoughts, and we'll start with the beautiful Murr up there in, uh, you know, the far north. Uh, Murr, um, what is the goal? Why do you think that the government wants to decimate the white race? Because they're a threat. Because they're the most Christian, for one thing. I think that's probably really the, the basis. And uh, will always have a tendency to help everyone else. They're kind of altruistic, you know, we are. And... Uh, and... Uh, build up a society, you know. Uh, and I want to say about SPLC to uh, uh, Harry Cooper of Shark Hunters, and, and they, of course, went after him, and the more they did, it just made their, their organization stronger. So they said, go ahead, you know. But he called them spit lickers. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember that. Yeah, they're kind of an underdog, too, in a way, you know, but it's all a hierarchy, and and um and on the border there you had the high s which is the hebrew um, immigrant aid society and they were the only ones to have a building there with razor wire protecting it uh you know we hear about the catholic charities and the lutheran and the different ones taking in the immigrants and but it comes through comes through highest they're the ones that uh designate it you know well Great, Mur. Uh, you know, great comments, and you know, I, I really appreciate you joining us tonight. And uh, Scorpio, uh, your thoughts, buddy? Before I read you something, and uh, I'm giving you guys a test to see if you guys can tell me where this came from. So, uh, and I know Dave, you told me if I was going to give a test, you weren't coming on. I'm just kidding, uh, Dave. Your thoughts, buddy? Well, you're, you're going to give me a cheat sheet, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to okay. give you a cheat sheet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, um, really good discussion. Uh, you guys hit it from a lot of different levels. And um, so I'll just leave it at that. I, I appreciate hearing uh, a multi-layered discussion about this topic. 
Well, uh, thank you, sir. Now I'm going to read something, and you folks, I think it is very pertinent, and it should be something that we should think about today. And most people only know one sentence from this speech, but here, I want to run this by this, run this by you guys, and then you guys tell me what you think. The question before us is one of awful moment to our country. For my own part, I consider it as nothing less than a question of freedom or slavery. And in proportion to the magnitude of the subject ought to be the freedom of the debate. It is only in this way that we can hope to arrive at truth and fulfill the great responsibility which we hold to God and our country. Should I keep back my opinions at such a time through fear of giving offense, I should consider myself as guilty of treason towards my country and an act of disloyalty against the majesty of heaven, which I revere above all earthly kings. It is natural for a man to indulge in the illusions of hope. We are apt to shut our eyes against a painful truth and listen to the song of that siren till she transforms us into beasts. Is this the part of wise men engaged in a great and arduous struggle for liberty? Are we disposed to be of the number of those who having eyes see not and having ears hear not the things which so nearly concern their temporal salvation? For my part, whatever anguish of spirit it may cost, I am willing to know the whole truth, to know the worst, and to provide for it. I have but one lamp by which my feet are guided, and that is the lamp of experience. I know of no way of judging the future but by the past. And judging by the past, I wish to know what there has been in the conduct, I'm changing the words here, of this government. For the last 10 years to justify any hopes with which gentlemen have been pleased to solace themselves. Is it that insidious smile with which our petition has been lately received? Trust it not, sir. It will prove a snare to your feet. Suffer not yourselves to be betrayed with a kiss. Ask yourself how this gracious reception of our petition comports with those warlike preparations which cover our waters and darken our land. Unquote. Mert, who said that? Um I'm gonna guess Patrick Henry. <laughs> and you would be you would be correct. Oh. And, and when did he say that, Mer? Uh I don't know that date. Sorry. Okay. Uh the speech ends with Give me liberty or give me death. I know not what course others may take, but give me liberty or give me death. Well, it's before the con-con, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, your thoughts on that, Stephen? Uh, since you don't have to answer, Murr already got it right for all of you. Well, when was that? Was it 75? When did he say that? That was in 1775. Yes, sir. Yeah, okay. Let's... <laughs> Well, this is different force darkening our shore today, but it's still there. And they want to put it in military uniforms, too. So it's very pertinent, mm -hmm. I think. And we've 
face that choice because this this the end result of the deal they made too. That government went on to completely conquer the what, what was left of the states with the when they uh, rolled over the Confederacy. Well, I think you know, and I'm sure that you know no one does it. But when I was in seventh grade, you know, and that was, uh, you know, a long time ago, uh, when I was in seventh grade, our seventh grade teacher, Ms. Cassidy, God rest her soul, she actually, this was part of our memory work. We had to memorize that entire speech. Now, do you think anybody in the country has ever, you know, is anybody doing that now? Is anybody teaching about the principles of uh, Patrick Henry and what he said? And I just want to add a little bit more from that speech. Sir, we have done everything that could be done to avert the storm which is now coming on. We have petitioned. We have remonstrated. remonstrated I'm sorry. We have supplicated. We have prostrated ourselves before the throne and have implored its interposition to arrest to arrest the tyrannical bands of the ministry and parliament or we could say congress our petitions have been slighted our remonstrances have produced additional violence and insult our supplications have been disregarded and we have been spurned with contempt from the very foot of the government uh, he said throne in vain, after these things, may we indulge the, fo- the fond hope of peace and rec- reconciliation. There is no longer any room for hope. If we wish to be free, if we mean to preserve and violate those inestimable privileges for which we have been so long contending, if we mean not basely to abandon the noble struggle in which we have been so long engaged, in which we have pledged ourselves never to abandon until the glorious object of our contest shall be obtained, we must fight. I repeat it, sir, we must fight. Now listen to this. An appeal to arms and to the God of hosts is all that is left to us. They tell us, sir, we are weak, unable to cope with so formidable an adversary. But when shall we be stronger? Will it be next week or next year? Will it be when we are totally disarmed and when a guard shall be stationed in every house? Shall we gather strength by irresolution and inaction? Shall we acquire the means of effectual resistance by lying supinely on our backs and hugging the delusive phantom of hope until our enemies shall have bound us hand and foot? Great. Now listen to this. Sir, we are not weak if we make a proper use of of those means which the God of nature has placed in our power, unquote. Mur, your thoughts? Well, you know, it was important then and even more important now. And um, so your teacher had you memorize the whole speech? Yes, it was part of our memory work. We had to memorize the whole speech. We had to memorize... You know, several different parts of the Declaration of Independence, not the whole thing. Mm-hmm. We had to memorize. Uh, and this was, you know, as I thought about it in my life, seventh grade was the last time 
and Miss Cassidy was one wonderful lady. I remember her sending me letters when I was in Vietnam. I don't even know how she knew wow. I was there, but she sent me letters. Such a wonderful lady, but she was, you were going to learn American history, and she's the one who first put my passion for Patrick Henry into my thoughts. Yeah, what a wonderful thing, too. And here Absolutely. it is, blessing, blessing all of us all the time. Yeah. All right. Stephen, your thoughts, sir? They've welded the gates open, and then they threatened the sheriffs with drones, okay? That's what was my, I was thinking about right then, just as you were reading those words, to be honest with you, sir. If you want the truth. I mean, well, that's just right off the cuff. That's what I was thinking. And, and that's really awesome that, that, that you got a letter from your teacher there while you were in. That, that, that's, that's, that's awesome. That was awesome to hear, too, sir. Yeah, I was, I was just absolutely amazed. I had no, you know, that was seventh grade. I'd finished high school. You know, that's like seven years later. It just amazed me that this lady kept up with her students, and that's what it meant to her. And, you know, do we have any people in education with that kind of devotion anymore, guys? Well, if we do, they're hidden from us. Well, boy, loud public speech. If, <laughs> if, if that isn't true, well, uh, uh, California boy, tell us what your thoughts are. Well, certainly, um, I think it's a, a, a view into what our education system could look like. If we, it was actually staffed by people who wanted to uplift our reality and our uh, society, but instead we have the exact opposite um, in charge. Well, I couldn't, could not, could not agree with you more, Dave. Uh, you know, and I, I asked Murr, but uh, I want to ask you: Why do you think that this government is intent on either? eliminating the white race or completely neutering it? What are your thoughts? Well, that's quite a question. I would have to say that, um, in all honesty, uh, I believe the white race has a tendency to um, be difficult to control in the long run. And uh, white people really historically have always... uh, uh, strove for the very best in their behavior and what they make and what they do. And that's not the society that they want. They want a compliant, slave, docile human. And that type of mentality of, of the striving for excellence in yourself and those around you, that really isn't what um, they want for the future. That would be my very honest answer, Mike. Oh, excellent, Dave. Uh, Stephen, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Why do they want to get rid of us? Well, I know what Wendy would say. She says, we don't make good slaves. <laughs> that's what she says. <laughs> that's and what she's I said. right. That's how, she would, that's, how she, that's how she would answer. And I guess that is part of it, too. But I, I, I don't really know. It's just demographically, they shut well, it down. You know, you we're know, not replacing ourselves. No matter why is not why is happening unless we do something to change it. That's that's a sad fact. I mean, that, that and that is a fact, though. 
I, I don't well, know why, but that that's they've just engineered it to this point to where now when I go out in public, even here in upstate South Carolina, white is the minority. It'll men most places, unless it's some place where I'm, you know, known to frequent more white crowd. But just in general, quote unquote, in public, white is a minority. Well, uh, here's the thing, and I've said this for years, and I know a lot of people don't like it when I say it, and I, you know, I sometimes toss and turn for 15 or 20 seconds worrying about what people think about me but uh, before I fall asleep. But uh, anyway, the thing that I'm looking at here, that the it was not a civil war in 1861. It was a war of the infidels against the Christians. And the South was heavily Christian. Even the blacks were heavily Christian in the South. Some of them had their own churches and their own preachers. There was actually, I'm studying this now, guys. I found this out. There was actually a black evangelist that traveled through the South. And he was brought to white churches because they wanted this man because he spoke the words of God. And they loved the way that he did it. He was actually taken in North Carolina from uh, kind of plantation to plantation. And he would stay in the homes of the whites. And then he would preach in their uh, church services. Do we have that today? No. And then in Reconstruction, when they went in in Reconstruction, you know, it was, at, uh, you know, for the churches, it was the first 501c3. They went into churches, and if the preachers during Reconstruction would not pledge allegiance to the government, first and foremost, they were replaced. Same was true with teachers. Folks, this battle that we're fighting is well over 150 years old. But this was against the white culture. The Civil War was a war against the white culture. Uh, people say, oh, well, it's about slavery. Well, you know, that's what you, that's the lie you've been taught, and that's the lie you repeat. But Abraham Lincoln, in a letter to Alexander Hamilton Stevens, happy birthday again, told him, you slave owners in the South have nothing to worry about if I'm president. I promise you there will be no invasion. There will be nothing. Then he put that in his first inaugural address, and then he came out with the Corwin Amendment which would have put blacks in bondage in perpetuity. All the South had to do was withdraw their secession and come back into the Union. They could have had their slaves forever. It was not a war about slavery. It was a war against the white race. And uh, when they came into the South, did they give the blacks any particular uh, benefits? No. Sometimes they would if it fit their purposes. But they raped the black women. They burned their homes. They stole, uh, you know, they either killed or stole everything that they had as far as provisions for eating was concerned. This started under Abraham Lincoln, and it was a war against the whites. Abraham Lincoln admitted to a rabbi in Washington, D.C. that he was Jewish. I've got the official papers. So we're just seeing a continuation of the same thing, in my opinion. Murr, help me out here, girl. No, I think that's bona fide. Yeah. Yep, it's just continuous through history. And since Jesus, especially. Uh, you know, 
they were the ones the whites were the ones and you know people say oh well like e michael jones it's religion you know it's not uh race he calls himself biracial because he's german and irish right (laughs) and when the irish came here they didn't know they were white right but uh they split it up that way because because of the jews who would bring the um uh blacks up into the north and the blacks that were already there like in chicago area they didn't want them there because they knew it was just to cause trouble that's you know it's always about stirring up trouble and well that's why illinois and indiana made uh, any free blacks who came into their uh, state any free blacks had to post a thousand dollar bond wow. and how many people had a thousand dollars back then right so yeah this you know this whole thing and it, it goes back to my contention you don't let people think you make them get emotional and everybody gets all emotional about oh the slaves they were treated blah 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 all this other stuff but they then they failed to talk about the fact that the Union Army and Lincoln probably, as a conservative estimate, killed over half a million blacks in their contraband camps. Mm-hmm. But nobody wants to talk about that. Stephen, help me out here. Well, it clearly was the first Bolshevik uh, War of Extermination. They went and wiped us out and then re-educated us, reconstructed us, build back blacker, build back better, whatever, you know. It just that was the first one that – and it may have happened before that, like Mercy, it goes back even way before that. But on this continent anyway, the first that, – that they kind of finished the job with, uh, with that and – I don't know. It, it went on from there. It just the, after all of the property and the black people were uh, not only human beings, but they were also the industry and the agriculture largely of the South, too. They attacked them just like they were uh, a factory or something. They had as much regard for them as they would have a factory in uh, 50 or 60 years later. Oh, big time. Uh- Scorp, uh, what are you seeing out there in California as far as immigrants are concerned? Oh, God. Don't ask, Mike. <laughs> I just uh, did. <laughs> it's uh, A better question is, what don't I see, okay? I see okay. a lot of, um, let's say, people that I have no earthly idea where they're from or what language they're speaking. Uh, uh, America is being transformed in, into a foreign country on many fronts and uh, I'll say this too I really do believe that they're uh, they've got some kind of a, a secret deal cut with China to hand over um, part of the western part of the country to uh, China de facto not not de jure but de facto hmm okay Murr your thoughts yeah I was just thinking that too how the land you know, it's, it's valuable. And what they've done to California, the dead harvest, uh, you know, there's a video about that, how they purposely ran all the water out to the sea rather than irrigating and let everything dry up. You know, they're purposely doing this. And um, But there's a Chinese general that had retired, Tian, I think anyway, he 
claims that the native population here, Native Americans, were from China. So that gives them right of way to take this land back. You know, and and when you think about it, the really only value is labor. You know, like you guys were saying there, um, because without labor, there isn't anything. You know, people think of precious uh, metals or, or gems or something, but they have to be mined and refined, and that's labor. You know, everything is based on labor. That's really the only value. Uh, excellent comment. Uh, folks, uh, if you haven't, anyone who's out there and you you know, you know, want a copy of this, I'll send you a PDF of the book I'm about to tell you about. And this book was written by a black man, a brilliant black man by the name of Manning Johnson. And if you want to know how that the – oh, here comes the music. We'll be back on the other side. the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. My name is John, the founder of Blackout Coffee, and I started uh, Blackout because I really love coffee. I've always loved coffee, and after traveling so much to Europe, South America, and trying so many different coffees that were so good, and uh, every time I came back, uh, to the U.S., I was so disappointed with the coffee, so I figured that I had to do something about it. The biggest difference is really is on the bean. I'm so excited to have you as part of the Wild Pastures family, and we look forward to bringing you the pastures meats that you and your family will love. Now, we started Wild Pastures because so many of my clients would tell me they just couldn't find high-quality pasture-raised meats. And even when they did, it was so expensive that they couldn't afford to eat it regularly. Now, I'm not talking about the bottom-of-the-barrel healthy meats that have claims like natural or free-range or even cage-free, terms that were actually created by the industrial food industry to make us feel all warm and fuzzy about buying their low-quality products. I'm talking about truly nourishing pasture-raised meats, the kind that you'll never really find in a grocery store. Our farmers are doing things beyond organic. Our beef is 100% grass-fed and grass-finished and raised on pastures free from chemicals and other pesticides. Our chickens are 100% pasture-raised, where they get their natural diet of grass and forage and insects. We will never settle for free range, which is actually one of the most deceptive terms in the chicken industry. In fact, less than 0.1% of the chicken consumed in the United States is truly pasture-raised in the way that ours is. And our pork is 100% 
and pasture raised as well. So if you care about where your food comes from, then you have definitely made it to the right place. As a Wild Pastures member, you'll be supporting the most highly principled farmers in America and getting the most nutrient-dense, nourishing, and sustainable meats in the world. I'm confident you'll love being part of our mission at Wild Pastures, and you will really love the delicious, nourishing meats that we're going to deliver straight to your door. Visit republicbroadcasting.org and click the Wild Pastures banner ad. Secure a shipment today. Beef, poultry, and pork. Raised the way nature intended. Renegades and boy, what is it good for? Well, absolutely nothing is not the correct response because it wars, unconstitutional, immoral wars that this country has engaged in in my entire life have done nothing but create a huge debt that our posterity is going to have to try to pay for, and also the fact it has made members of the uh, Jewish banking community and the congressional military industrial complex wealthy beyond your wildest imagination. Now, I wanted to get back here. I have a black hero. I have several. I am not a racist. I have a black hero. His name is Manning Johnson. And Manning Johnson was a man of honor and integrity. He was a brilliant black man. And the communists saw him as such and ushered him off to Moscow, provided him with all the women he needed, everything else that he wanted. And his job was to come back to America and to split America along racial lines using the black church. And Manning Johnson couldn't do it. He had morals. That wouldn't allow him to continue. So he wrote a book. And again, folks, I have a PDF of this. If you do not have it and would like it, look on uh, Republic Broadcasting Network, get my email address, and send me a request. And I'll make darn sure you get a copy of this. And the title of the book is Color, Communism, and Common Sense. That lays out perfectly the plan that the Marxist wanted to use to split America along racial divide. And they've done it, especially with the wonderful Jewish-owned NAACP. They've used them as well to do the same thing. Because stop and think about it. If they can have NAACP, if you had an organization called National Association for the Advancement of White People, how long would they allow you to exist? <laughs> now, read Color I Communism. Think, I, th 
Go ahead, Stephen. About Go three ahead. years, wasn't it? Back in the back in the early eighties, I remember such an organization. Yeah, that, that was yep, true. Yep. Uh, yep. <laughs> and it didn't the last about three years. The government will put you out of business in a heartbeat if you decide to do that. And can we have uh, you know uh, Miss White America? No, but we can have Miss Black America. If you do not see, and this is what I want to say to all the people out there who are black or of any other race whatsoever. The government has turned us against each other to benefit government. Turning us against each other benefits no one except government. The fact that we uh, end up hating each other and being willing to do all of these crazy things has been brought about by government, not by the relationship between the people. And, you know, the other thing that really troubled me, and I have this as well for those of you who would like it, Manny Johnson was asked, after he wrote the book, was asked to appear before the House Committee on Un-American Activities. And he gave a brilliant speech there, answered their questions. I have a copy of that. If you would like that, I would provide that to you as well. But, you know, ironically, just a short time after he made that appearance before the U.S. Congress, he died. Imagine that. That is why the real people who oppose government don't last long. It's those ones you think are opposing this government who are getting all kinds of attention on the media and everything else. If they were real, the media wouldn't show you anything. Mert, help me out here. Well, I found a couple copies once archived, and the uh, there's a PDF. I don't know if it's the same one you have, but uh, it's in the chat there. But it's also, um, we have a chat tango, too, uh, for your show here. It's uh, rebelandtherenegades.chatango.com. And I put any links that are in that chat, the Skype chat, into into this chat. So we can find them later if you want. And I was just looking for the speech. And I also wanted to say back, you know, on MLK, Martin Luther King, and and that was stood for Moloch, actually, unfortunately. And people, you know, put him on a pedestal because they want you to. You don't realize that that's being directed. And I wanted to say then that uh, he was no Manning Johnson. Oh, absolutely not. And when he uh, ceased to become useful, the CIA murdered him. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, just like they did uh, RFK and JFK. Uh, and you know, it was all, all about the, I, I'm getting rude here now, but it's it was all about the, uh, not the mafia, not the Italian mafia, which we were told, right? And that's why right. all three of these had to go, because it was about the kosher nostra. Stanley yes. David Levi's son was the one that handled and wrote speeches for MLK. So. Oh, big time, big time. and But he did say something that was, very, very poignant. I don't think people listen to it, and they certainly don't adhere to it. Judge a man not by the color of his skin, but by the content of his character. That is beautiful, because that's what we all ought to do. You know, I don't, you know, in today's world, if you stand for the Confederacy, you must be anti-black. That's not true. I take everyone as an individual. What is your heart like? What is your character like? I don't care if you're sky blue pink. It matters not to me. Stephen, help me out, buddy. 
Well, Malcolm X seems like he was murdered along the same lines, too, but I don't know if it was by the same people. I heard him calling certain people out, not only uh, the Jews that ran Harlem at the time, but uh, also some uh, hypocrites, I guess you'd say, in his own camp. And like you, you know, we can't have that. You know, <laughs> that that's a definitely a no no. Well, thank you, buddy. Uh, I appreciate that. And uh, Scorp, your thoughts, buddy? Well, uh, I don't really have anything to add right now. I think you guys kind of covered that pretty well. Okay, buddy. Well, thank you for that. And uh, you know, uh, guys. I, I just I love this country. I hate the government, but I love the country. And the reason I love the country is because, you know, we still have folks like Murr Bailey and Stephen Douglas Whitener and Scorpio and DW and Cal, Jim Ram. We have some people who are still fighting for what this country stands for. And I love every one of them. Some of them I've never met, but I want to. You know, I'm sitting here at a table where Scorpio and DW and I did a program one time. And I would love to meet these folks. And I'm hoping that, you know, and it was a distinct pleasure for me to meet both Stephen Douglas Whitener and that uh, beautiful Wendy in uh, up in South Carolina when I went to the Dixie Republic. And it's kind of funny, you know, how when we go there, and they are a sponsor of RBN, we need to mention that. It's kind of funny when you go there, it's it's just a unique feeling, isn't it, Stephen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. After coming three or four times and seeing the same people, it's, I don't know, <clears throat> that I haven't had a bad, you know, it's been it's been good. I, I I'll stop by just to have a cup of coffee and speak to Paul and Lynn if I'm in the neighborhood. But the events were good. That uh, they had a strong arm contest. Uh, was it uh, September before last? I believe. Or no, maybe it was last September. And then there was the fall for Dixie. Was the last time there was an event there. It was fun. Mead was good. I met Mr. Simon Roche from South Africa, who I had on Thought Crime Love. Uh, he, uh, two weeks in a row, actually, he called in after the week after after that event. It's it, it was yeah, I I really enjoy uh, going by there and meeting people. And I do. Thanks for mentioning well, that. <laughs> well, it's fantastic, and I think uh, we need to mention for everyone, and for those of you who pray, let's be in prayer for Paul. Because Paul uh, is in Louisiana for his mother's funeral. And uh, I don't know if he's returned or not yet, Stephen. You, you're closer than I am. But I know he sent me a text message that he was headed to Louisiana and he'd be out of pocket for a while. And uh, so I told him at that time, you know, our prayers are going out for you, buddy. And they really are. And... Uh, it's just a unique experience. Scorpio, you've got to find a way to get there. And, uh, you know, if uh, I'm I, hope on it. I hope you will bring that beautiful Alina with you when you come. Uh, I'm, pl- I'm planning on it, uh, Mike. Okay, well, we look forward to that. And, you know, our buddy DW is there. Our buddy Jim Ram has been there. 
Uh, you know, and we're hoping our buddy Cal will be able to make the trip also. So I'm kind of waiting for Paul to come out with that, uh, you know, when our, our next event is coming up there so that people can start planning for it. And, you know, and it's it's just special. You know, I don't think people really understand what it's like to sit down in Confederate Corner mm-hmm. with people <laughs> with the same philosophy that you have and with the same you know uh the things that which are important in their lives and their willingness to stand up and defend and that's why i ask you folks to support rbn but also support dixie republic because they are standing up there paul and lynn are doing everything they can to promote the same things we talk about here and it's not a racial issue folks it's about rightful liberty and freedom. And we have yeah. to pursue that. You know, I, I can't understand why all races don't want the same thing. Rightful liberty. The right mm-hmm. to be your own person without government interference. Mer, your thoughts, sweet lady? Well, you know, I, I keep thinking that um, I think it makes a difference if you're raised in the city or in the country. You know, it has just come to me over time that uh, you're you're a little more independent or interdependent on each other in the country. Where in the city, um, well, I haven't lived in the city as much as anybody else, so that has. And but uh, the little bit I did, uh, a couple different times, it, it was just a different thing, you know. Um, now my home, and it was a small, you know, small town, our, our little family apartment drew people, you know, just because it was warm and inviting our, our family, you know, so I guess that's how it is wherever you are, but it does seem to be a difference. Well, Mer, I remember being, being brought up in the Appalachian mountains and I remember when it was harvest time. Everybody chipped in. If you, everybody went to everybody's farm and helped them with their harvest, you know, it was just a community thing. The women would all get together and they would prepare a wonderful dinner, you know, or a wonderful lunch, whatever it was. And the men would be out there working with their neighbors, getting everything that they needed done. We don't have that spirit because that spirit does not transform to the city. Because once you get into a city, you look to the government for your aid instead of your neighbor. And I believe that has destroyed the spirit of America and the fact that we don't look to each other. We look to government for protection, for aid, for this or for that. We look to government for stuff that we should be looking to each other for because with each other – there is a respect. With the government, there's no respect. Uh, Stephen, help me out with that one, buddy. I remember a lot of that in the 60s and 70s, but uh, by the – and we had peach orchards still back then too around here, but more and more the concrete slowly crept in. It's just – and now you know, we're a minority here. It's, it's that time sure have changed. I do remember what that's like. And, you know, it's almost – you were talking about how it feels to 
a Confederate corner. It's almost like a throwback to those days for me, in a certain sense, too, hanging out there, I guess, to be honest with you, if you want to know the truth. <laughs> well, big time. I mean, you know, you get out, uh, you know, you walk around. You know, Paul always has some wonderful musicians there with the music. Then he has wonderful people like Wendy there with uh, her bull goobers, and it's just wonderful. And it's just a sense, you know, almost everybody, you go back into Johnny Reb and his uh, leather shop. And, you know, it's it's just like, I don't know, Stephen, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it like you're there with family? Yes. Yeah, I agree. Yes, sir. I got a belt book belt on Johnny May. <laughs> it's pretty good. He's got a, a nice shop there. It is a cool place, and I had some homemade meat at the last last event at Fall Festival. It was really good. Well, keep that to yourself, will you? I'll pardon <laughs> Just kidding. Scorp, your thoughts, buddy? Well, yeah. You know, I, I just found out that um, Kansas City won the Super Bowl, and my theory uh, regarding uh, – the Can- I, I predicted Kansas City would win over a month ago – because of the money-making potential by merging Taylor Swift and the NFL and um, all the bets, $38 billion in bets circulating. So uh, that was just breaking news there, Mike. Well, you know, I could do without Taylor Swift and the stupid bowl, but thanks for the information, Dave. (laughs) Well, the Uh, point is it's all I understand. I understand, buddy. Just giving you a hard time. Yeah, no, I, I could care less, of course. And, and you know me, if I don't give you a hard time, I don't like you. Uh, Mert, how you doing? Huh? <laughs> how you uh, doing, girl? Funny how you went right from if I'm not giving you a hard time, I, you know, I don't like you. And right away you call on me. So I'm like, uh-oh, what did I, I do? <laughs> what didn't I do? <laughs> oh, Mer, you are a treasure. I don't want you, you know, I, I try not to tell a lot of people about this, but you are a treasure. No, I'll tell anybody that'll listen. You, you, you have your hearts in the right place. And, you know, the things that are important to you should be important to all of America. Those things should be crucial and critical. Unfortunately, you know, things like the stupid bowl and other things have come into uh reality here and uh yeah dave i understand buddy i I, i'm just giving you a hard time there (laughs) yeah and you know clear i don't care (laughs) (laughs) and you know that you know that very well so you know we've uh we've known each other too long to not uh, be able to share a joke here and there uh so uh steven um you know is there an answer to this well, I don't know. You know, there's this the we the people psyop. That's that's what I think of it. So the answer is like you said, rightful liberty. The answer to we the people's me a person in order to preserve my sacred honor will take care of me and my own. Well, we <laughs> have that's to be just that's, that's the only one, only thing I've that's the only thing I've come to trust. You know, and more and more, it just seems that way. Well. It has to be on an individual level, and I think most people think that there are group rights. As a race, you have a set of rights. No, you don't. Your rights come from God, and they're natural rights, and your rights are individual in nature. There are no group rights. You don't, because 
eight or 10,000 of you get together doesn't give you any more rights than you would have as an individual. And I think America just misses that. And I see, guys, we're rapidly running out of time. Uh, you know, I just can't thank all of you enough. But, uh, ooh, uh, Murr got knocked off just as I was going to ask her a question. But uh, uh, I will uh, then switch to you, Stephen. Tell the folks about the programs that you do at RBN, please, sir. Oh, Murr's back. But anyway, go ahead, Stephen. <laughs> Sorry about that. Go ahead, Steve. I commit thought, I, yeah, I commit thought crime two hours uh, first thing Saturday morning at eight to ten Central Time, at Thought Crime Live, and I'm known to show up. Uh, well, also these two, these two hours here, I'm on this Renegade Roundtable too, and I'm prone to show up other places once in a while by surprise too. <laughs> well, and you do one heck of a job, buddy. I'm I'm just so proud of everything that you do, and uh, Mur. Uh, tell us about your program and what you do, sweet lady. Oh, thank you. Uh, I was trying to get a copy of uh, Stephen's belt buckle to put in the other chat room, and I kicked myself off. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, and, and where I, you know, I've been practicing the fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day, right? So um, I'm listening to things on that would be Friday night and Sabbath on uh, archives. So I caught Stephen's show very late last night so i just let the thing play through the night and it comes around again and and it's so good all the different you know fellas calling in and everything there but uh yeah my show is yours truly mer and it's two to four p.m central uh here on rbn on sunday and um yeah so i i get into different different things to today we we're talking really about um several things but especially how um you know, with the passing of John Kaminsky and uh, Joe Rizzoli, who is the uh, identical twin brother of Jim Rizzoli. Right. And their kind of struggle against these lies about the Holocaust and what the Jews are doing. And so we were talking about that. And um, because people have to keep being reminded, especially about Germany, because they keep sliding back into repeating all the nonsense about the Nuremberg trials and Nazis and and all this stuff that uh, really reminds me of how it was in the South and Dixie before that, you know? Oh, big time. And uh, thank you for mentioning John. And, uh, you know, the fact is John and I had our disagreements, but I loved John's work. One of the most yep. eloquent writers I have ever heard. And then he got trashed by the same people that trashed Scorpio and I. So, mm -hmm. um I do want to try to do a program at least an hour coming up in a tribute to John Kaminsky. Oh, and uh, I want to try to put that together. We can read from some of his work. I've got some people who would like to come on with that. So I want to pursue that. And uh, But uh, Scorpio, uh, tell them about your program, please, sir. Well, yes, uh, my show, the, the Scorpio International Holding Company, LLC, uh, comes on Sunday, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Central. That's 2 to 4 Pacific. And uh, I come on right after Murr. And uh, I think our shows are in similar veins, uh, kind of just going after the, the hidden truth just beneath the surface. Well, guys, I can't thank you enough, you know, all three of you, for the work you do in pursuit of the truth. And that is critical. Folks, if you have the opportunity, go to my Substack, 
michaelgaddy.substack.com and check out my work. Become a paid or a free subscriber. It's up to you. But I'm putting out works that come from original source documents. And if you want to take a look, take a look at those. And then, of course, let's not forget my uh, Saturday afternoon program, which next week will be Mr. Stephen Douglas Whitener, myself, and we'll have Phil Turney with us and also the lady who was responsible for creating the monument to the USS Liberty. I'm looking forward to that program, Stephen. I hope you are. That sounds terrific. Yes, sir. And uh, I have been able to have uh, telephone conversations with that lady. She is an inspiration. And, uh, you know, and she lives in uh, very near proximity to Phil Turno. Well, looks like the music is coming, guys. Thank you. You guys have been fabulous. Thank you. Support RBN, people. It's where we are. It's why we're here.
truth. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit republicbroadcasting.org today because you can handle the truth.